Well, good morning and welcome to Education Matters. Uh, today we have a number of special guests from Cookville High School and from TCAT Livingston. They are all part of the international award-winning cyber defense cybersecurity team at Cookville High. With us today are Scott Waits, the advisor, and team members Landon Burge, Nathan Papa, and John Reagan. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thanks, uh, we're delighted you're here, and congratulations on the uh, the awards you brought back. You guys have uh, have uh, made a mark in the world on this. So we're we're excited to have you back to talk a little bit more about cybersecurity and cyber defense. Today we're going to talk uh, about personal cyber defense and sort of what individuals can do in their home as we uh, uh, move forward and what you can do in small businesses maybe. But Scott, let's uh, let's start a bit with you. You're a faculty member at, at TCAT Livingston, and you're the advisor to to this team. So tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the point where this team got started. All right, thanks again for having us. Um, <clears throat> so I've been working uh, as an instructor for four years. This is my first group of students. These guys. Um, prior to that, I worked in the industry as software developer. IT stuff for about 25 years and uh, decided later in life that I kind of wanted to, to to start helping these guys and all the students in Putnam County. Well, that's great. And, and uh, so what made the, um, what made the leap to start a cyber defense team? Uh, these guys. Yeah. I, I've been asked about it, you know, previously by students and uh, these guys came to me and, we're real passionate about it. And after I saw how much they cared about it and what they were willing to, to do as far as work to do it, I was behind them 100%. This program is theirs. They've, they've built it. And, and that is so cool. That is just really neat that, um, that you guys have put something together that's going to outlast you. It's going to be there uh, in hopefully future generations of, of um, cyber teams. Uh, at at Cookville High and other places, and Scott, this is this is part of CTE, part of career and technical education uh, in the Putnam County Schools, and it's a dual enrollment program. Talk a little bit about dual enrollment and how this works as as a CTE program. Yeah, the the dual enrollment part basically is it's post secondary education similar to college courses. Um, our students are prepping for professional certification exams uh, by CompTIA. And uh, the, the core of the, the curriculum is around learning the foundations. We learn everything about computers, networks, a um, little bit of cybersecurity, uh, databases. Just We cover most of the basics and then try to get them certified on that. That's our main baseline goal is to get a CompTIA certification so they can show the industry that they understand the foundations of that. But my classes are really organic. My students are all different. So I have some that, that excel in programming, some that excel in cybersecurity. So we branch off and kind of start growing those skills um, throughout the four years. We do the cybersecurity kind of as an extracurricular. Um, the courses are basically set up to, like I said, focus on foundations, 
and primarily on software development, algorithmic thinking, logical thinking, um, decision making, and web design as well. Um, but we touch a lot of stuff. And cybersecurity, what's cool is it kind of requires all of it. Yeah, that, I'm sure it does. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. But it, um, it, it just has to be um, touching a lot of stuff, given the, the, the nature of the beast as, as we know it. Well, talk about careers. Uh, I know these guys are going on to college, but there are good careers in this field, aren't there? Oh, there's great careers in this field. And, you know, the software development's still a number one you know, path developers are, it's like I tell these guys, you know, I chose software development at a young age because everything is a product of software development. We may protect operating systems, but a developer wrote that operating system. We may use different tools to defend networks, but a software development wrote those tools. So <clears throat> that's why I like to focus on the, the, the algorithmic thinking and that kind of stuff because uh, it, it's the foundation for all this. Um, cybersecurity is quickly becoming a, a big field. And it's because we need people to defend all this data we have out there. Um, so much data. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. And uh, so, yeah, I mean. And it's it's sort of like a chess match, I imagine. There's There's different pieces on the board, but. There's offense and defense playing at the same time, and yeah. and uh, the offense is um, is trying their best to outthink the defense, aren't they, and find a way in. Yeah, and the offense, the reality of it is the offense is they're brilliant. They've These guys that are on the opposite side of the playing field from us, they know their stuff very, very well. And so it requires us to understand what they know, right? Um and then just have the, you know, the, the ethics you'd say to to protect against those things. It's a great game because the other side, right, is a very, very strong side. The people that are attacking networks and stealing data, they're they're very bright. And they're often in in today's world, they're state funded in in some other countries. And so they've yeah. they've got deep, deep pockets to to throw a lot of money and a lot of talent at at this uh, this challenge, Landon, you're the team captain of of this uh, outstanding award winning team. Uh, tell us about uh, the team and how you guys, you folks, interact with each other, and uh, and sort of what you do as a team. So. Five out of six of us, we've been competing for five years together now. Well, eighth grade year, we were on separate teams, but we were still in the same school working together on this. We've been friends since elementary school. We've known each other very well. And eventually, once we all came together and we found this passion in eighth grade, once we moved on to high school, we all wanted to work together and start a team. And our goal was to make the national finals competition. Uh, as we began to grow and start improving our skill, we decided we wanted to take on a six-team member, a uh, bright, a little bit young boy. He was phenomenal, and we were hoping to teach him and show him our ways so whenever we moved on, he could be the legacy. Well, that's great. And you think that's working at this point? I do. I, I We've been growing this program, and these kids are brilliant. Well, that's great. And... Um, uh, we want to talk about what you do, uh, Nathan. You you um, 
you all went to this Cyber Patriot 14 competition, so we want to talk about that. But you're also valedictorian at Cookville High School, right? Yes. Well, that's a pretty uh, pretty cool thing to end the year with. That's for sure. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Tell us what competing at Cyber Patriot 14 was was like. So this year was uh, pretty interesting for us, of course, for most of our team. It's our last year competing in this competitions, and our we had just previously qualified for the second time and for national finals. So we kind of um, we kind of knew that we were in a good spot to make it again this year. We just felt the pressure to kind of make this one our best performance and kind of seize the opportunity as it was our last time to do so. So, um, you know, before we went to nationals, the year was pretty similar. Just, um, I guess the added stress of making it right the last time. And, um, when we got there, it was, it was a really nice experience for us. One, it was the first time in three years of qualifying that we actually got to get the national finals experience or something that resembled it. Um, and Two, we obviously performed very well. So when we got there, um, we talked a lot with like other teams and we're able to kind of um, make good contacts both with competitors and like professionals in the industry, which was a big perk of it. Um, but in terms of competing there, um, we went we essentially like went into a room and we were kind of blocked off from all the other teams. And we just sat at a table. We each had a laptop and we just kind of did our own thing and worked together. And, and this is in Bethesda, Maryland. Is that right? Yes. Well, that's uh, pretty neat. And we, we should note some that didn't see the first segment of this, uh, um, this recording. Uh, this is the National Cyber Patriot 14 competition sponsored by the Air Force Association, and um, uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Jonathan, uh, we're going to take a break in a minute, and we'll give you more time, but what kind of training and skill building do you do to get ready for this? Well, generally, it's very individually based. Uh, we start off with a baseline of the, there are these things called virtual machines, which are emulated practice scenarios of what a real enterprise environment may be like in a security scenario. And we go through those and we practice what we would normally do in one of the online rounds. We secure it. We make sure that the users are locked down, that the security policies are in place, things like that. We, to, we use those images to kind of figure out where we're strong and weak at, and then we build off of that based on what we need to get done before nationals. Uh, I can't imagine. It's it's like training for a prize fight, and it's just a different kind of training, and uh, it it must be amazing. We, um, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about that as we talk about sort of personal cyber defense, but um, it, it's amazing what you guys have, have completed, and um, we're going to Take a quick break and come back and, and talk some more about personal cyber defense. This is Local Matters, and we will be right back.
What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matters. We are talking about education matters, and we are talking cyber defense with Landon Burge and John Reagan and Nathan Papa from the Cookville High School cybersecurity team, advised by Professor Scott Waits. Uh, Well, guys, we can all relate to cyber defense at the national level. We can understand... uh, we hear a lot about companies getting hacked all the time, uh, but it happens to individuals and to small businesses also. And I understand you guys might have some cyber defense tips for folks as as we um, we jump into that. So tell us about the typical types of hacking and and malware that might affect individuals and and small businesses. Uh, I guess I could take this. Okay. So um, on an individual level, I guess malware isn't generally what like an individual may be attacked by super often. Um, they can be, but generally organizations are more the targets of malware. On an individual level, your biggest concern more most of the time is going to be social engineering attacks. This is where someone will try to kind of convince you to give up your own information without actually like technically doing anything to you they haven't really compromised your technology in any way but they've just gotten you to release your own information so and social engineering attacks take a lot of different forms um you know that can be both like virtual they may send you an email um or they may you know watch you type in a password they may ask you for your password um they may ask you certain questions that may lead them to get your passwords. You know, that all, that all of that can happen. On an organizational level, malware is obviously a bigger concern um, as malware is best for taking down lots of things at once. And it also there's more money involved in taking down an organization as opposed to just one random person. So. And yet again, malware can take a lot of different forms, but they all have a goal of preventing organizations or people from being able to do their job and also to take their information and do what they can with that. It's a pretty spooky thing, and I guess if you're in the middle of a heart procedure and you're the the person on the the bed or under the knife and the... all of a sudden, the hospital is uh, a, all of its systems are shut down, or the robots are controlled by 
a piece of malware for some ransom. Um, that'd be a pretty spooky individual thing, even though it's it's a corporate attack, isn't it? Yeah. Gee. Um, well, we all get frustrated by changing passwords and by keeping – everybody wants a simple password, but you guys say unique passwords and password protection is – Pretty important part of this, right? For sure. Yeah, it's the most important thing. the The first thing that someone will try to do is, you know, Nathan has spoke about the social engineering. Credentials are the first thing. If an attacker can get your credentials, they can do whatever they want with those credentials. And as part of those credentials, you know, we'll say for this example, the the credentials being the password and the username. Right. Since the target of these attackers is this confidential information, the whole reason they're social engineering you is to try to become you. That makes passwords the most important thing. And what a lot of people don't realize, and these guys have have experienced, is that it's important to have as many different passwords as you can. And I know that sounds like it's overwhelming. But the thing about it is you're trusting all of these different services, platforms to not get hacked. So even if you handle your passwords in the most effective way possible, there's no guarantee that a service you're using doesn't get hacked. And it happens all the time. And that's how credentials, right, get dropped in the dark web to where they have their value. So when we talk about, you know, password strength and length, that's aggravating, I know, for people, right? That's why biometrics is somewhat better because it's a lot easier to provide, you know, biometric data, thumbprint, eye scans, whatever. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that all these platforms, the hackers after them, not specifically you, if they can get into the user databases of, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whoever, that's pretty valuable. And if you limited yourself to using that password only one time, then you're only going to get exploited on that one set of credentials for that one particular service. So, yeah, it's it's a nightmare to try to keep up with a bunch, but there's password managers um, that will make that much easier for you. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's your responsibility, you know, to just like it's your responsibility to lock up your home, your car, everything else. Unfortunately, we, you know, we live in a wonderful world, but there's some people that, that are not great in this world, and we have to protect ourselves from that. And... Um, you know, password management, I think, is the key to all of it because they're all trying to get those credentials. And and I know we all take it for granted. Uh, we we live in this cyber world and we use it all the time. And so, um, I you know, I have access to I still have a Tennessee Tech email and uh, do a lot of different interactions at Tech. And if somebody came in through my password to Tech, uh They've got 11,000 students and 2,000 faculty and staff and Mm -hmm. some national defense records and a whole bunch of things that potentially somebody could use an individual faculty member portfolio Mm -hmm. to to find a way in. Yeah, and and if you've used like the same password for another service, even your personal email, Mm -hmm. then it opens up two exploits for them. That's the importance of having those different passwords and to make it easier to manage all these different unique passwords, a password manager can really help with that. 
And I've uh, I I served on a hospital board for a while, and I we we were trained that sometimes uh, medical doctors will will have records, and they'll bring things in and log in on a hospital computer, and that that system will will jump to the hospital system. And there's a lot of confidential medical records there that have, uh, you know, a Medicare, CMS, and and Social Security numbers, mm-hmm. all kinds of things that um, the dark web would mm-hmm. love love to find. That's the good thing with HIPAA, you know, as software developers, it's you have to follow these these standards, you know, and and laws as a software developer to make sure this data is protected. So it's good having that, you know level of governance in the code itself you know say um is a great way to protect that that information so it's frustrating to the individual user but boy those frustrations are there for a reason aren't they yeah i remember growing up and being on you know windows open at night and doors you know unlocked or whatever Absolutely. and it's just a different world now and the technical world is you know the virtual world has to be treated the same and in the virtual world, uh, we can be in China in 10 seconds or in, in Russia or anywhere else, and they can be in our backyard in that mm-hmm. same period of time. So that's, that's why it's, it's challenging and, and important. Well, we're going to take a quick break and uh, then come back for our third segment and talk about some cool things like pivoting and PII, um, and we'll let you guys explain those those terms. And we'll talk about fishing. Uh, I love to fish, but it usually involves a Zebco reel instead of the kind of thing that that you all are, are going to talk about here. So uh, this is Local Matters. We're talking to Cookville High School's cybersecurity team, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Local Matters. We are talking education matters, and we're talking about cyber defense and cybersecurity today with Cookville High School's award-winning team of uh, uh, cyber patriots. Uh, They were uh, at a national competition that we'll let them talk about in just a minute, but with us today are Scott Waits, the team advisor, and Landon Burge, Nathan Papa, and John Reagan, uh, all award-winning the International Cyber Defense team at Cookville High School. Guys, we were talking a little bit about the importance of unique passwords and um, uh, password protection uh, before the break, uh, but let's shift a little bit and pivot and talk about pivoting. What in the world is pivoting? We kind of briefly, I I guess we kind of talked about it, but we didn't really define it. Um, Pivoting is when you kind of take one password and you're able since you have it, uh, not unique passwords, you use them elsewhere. You use it. You pivot into other areas and exploit those areas. So I guess a easy example to kind of label that would be, let's say your computer password, your user password is password, and let's also say that your email password is password. If someone hacks into your user account, gets that password, logs in as you. They just have to go to whatever Gmail or whatever email service you use and type in the same password. And if you use the same password, they've now gone in two different places as just opposed to one. Um, 
that's the main reason why unique passwords are important is because pivoting is obviously a big problem. And pivoting isn't necessarily just <clears throat> held to passwords and the virtual world. There's also a concept that we've been studying about in our Security Plus curriculum called lateral movement or east-to-west traffic in a network, which is where if one system gets breached uh, and it's connected to other users on that system, especially if it's an administrative-capable system, you can use that system to get to other accounts and systems on that network. So if someone breaches your mail server and that mail server has an unsecured account that has access to your database server, you can get access to both of those just through the one. Well, that's pretty pretty neat and, and pretty scary, I guess, at the same time. Uh, do you guys know how to exploit pivots? I mean, you if you're going to defend against them, I guess you have to to learn how to stop them too. And is password protection the answer? I would say for the most part, yeah. I mean, I guess limiting like I guess overlap between entry points is also like something uh something to be careful with. Like for example, John was mentioning like maybe shared users across systems. If you get into one user, you can get if you get into access to if you get access to that one user and it's shared across multiple systems, then you have access to all of those systems at the same time. If you minimize that overlap, then you have less problems with pivoting. Well, it, um, uh, it, it's beyond me uh, in terms of how you would uh, put a good defense up for that other than passwords. I'm sure there are uh, ways that you guys study that, uh, that do that. Uh, you also study scalability. So talk about scalability and pivoting. Um, so, of course, the big thing with a, a lot of people don't want to do the whole unique password things or strong passwords because you have to remember 15 different passwords. You have to um, be able to type those in accurately. Um, I think the, that's a big problem with people, and um, I get the inconvenience, but um, it's very easy to make it scalable. Uh, of course, Scott talked earlier about um, password managers. Um, a lot of there's plenty of services out there that put all of your passwords in one place, which of course is arguably insecure. But um, by having all of your passwords in one one place, it's very easy to remember them. Most of them you could just click copy and it'll paste, and you can paste it into somewhere else. Um, also, you can write them down somewhere. Yet again, if someone gets access to that, then same problem. But you can secure that. You can secure your login to your password manager. You can secure access to the book of passwords that you have. Um, it's definitely easy to keep your passwords managed if when you need to. Talk about phishing a little more. What, uh, what typically do we see at the local level when somebody fishes you? So usually hackers will try to get access to one of the biggest examples I see is social media accounts. So for example, on Instagram, you may get a message from your best friend, Nathan Papa, that says, hey, you want a $50 gift card? Redeem it here. And you log in, and it looks exactly like an Instagram login page. And so you put in your information, and it just doesn't work, and you don't know why. Three days later, your account is used to send out that same message to all of your friends on there. They are trying to fish you for information of yours. That can be login credentials. That can be just personal information. It could be anything that they want to get access to. Wow. Um, and we all get those, and we've... I've had folks uh, 
send me a note saying, hey, I just got hit. Pay it. Don't pay any attention to anything I send you in the next week. Do you guys learn methods in your classroom for stopping this or for defending against it? Uh, Go ahead. There are certainly technical limitations you can put in place. There are um, email things we call tarpits, which will, if scammers try to send out a massive wave to a bunch of different domains, um, it'll catch that. It'll catch false domains that are similar to yours, and so it'll be able to recognize when someone's just randomly throwing out emails near you and not actually trying to reach someone specific. Um It'll, there are also just generic spam filters made by like Gmail and Yahoo and the big mail providers that you can put in place that'll automatically detect it. And you can also code your own if you want to, if you have specific threats that you know are going to be coming towards your network. Like with invoice scams, sometimes um, phishing attackers will find out what specific companies you work with and they'll pretend to be from those companies. They'll pretend to be administration from those companies or from your own company to make some money. Defending that, I would, I would think. Well, all three of you went to Bethesda, Maryland, right? Yes. yes. So tell me about that experience. There were teams from all over the United States. Um, tell me about the experience of being at, I believe it was called Cyber Patriot 14. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there were teams all over the United States, but there actually was a team from Canada also that came. Um a lot of it for us, I mentioned earlier, was just getting a chance to talk with everyone. Um, we've communicated with other teams in the past, but not um, like in person. So it was nice to actually meet people face to face for once. Um, competition wise, uh, it was all like it was all on one day, um, and it was it was a really interesting competition space. It was like this huge room where all we had a bunch of teams competing. At the same time, but we were all like sectioned off from each other, um, and we just kind of had to tackle all of these different challenges. And with that sectioning, it was kind of surreal. Like you couldn't see each other's teams, but you could kind of tell what was going on. Like one of the teams next to us, I won't say their team name, but um, <laughs> they were newer, and you could definitely tell when the red team was hitting them. Landon, how did um, you, there were there were both. Uh, men and women there on the teams. Uh, were you able to interact with them in off times away from there? And did you stay in the same hotels and get a chance to talk together? Yeah, we were all uh, located in one hotel and conference center mixture. So all the teams were in the same location and we were free to interact and visit the surrounding areas whenever, as long as we didn't miss any scheduled events. We could interact with others, given we followed the COVID requirements of masks and everybody there was either vaccinated or tested negative. But we had quite a bit of time, free time, to go and meet and talk with these other teams. Scott, I I, uh, congratulate you on putting this team together and giving these guys this this great experience. Now, if if some of our listeners have um, students who might be interested in finding out more about these teams, uh, do they contact you? Yeah, they can contact me uh, at the Kuvel High School. We're going to, Landon and I, we actually have a meeting this week. Uh, we're going to try to finalize a summer camp, a new summer camp in cybersecurity here that will help prep kids uh, and expose them to the cyber patriot side of cybersecurity. 
Great. Um, yeah, and uh, one note on nationals. Uh, as coach, it's hands off. You you have to. They have to be ready before you get there, and one of the challenges uh, we mentioned the red team is just the professional hackers. Uh, of course, they're they're legitimate. You know, they're they're doing the right. They're good guys. Yeah. And the biggest challenge there that we don't see all year, but we only see at nationals, is a service level agreement that we have to maintain. So that what that means is. The web services, the email services, DNS services, all these different business critical services have to be up 100% of the time. And the red team is taking those services down. And these young men right here um, competing against the best there are on this planet were number one in, in keeping SLA up, meaning that under an active attack, no other team there could could touch them. I've seen some amazing stuff in an IT career. I've worked with some brilliant minds, and it's it was amazing for me to sit there and watch them and the scoreboard as they kept those services up the whole time. Other <laughs> coaches were coming by saying, "This Tennessee team, look at this. Their services are like up." It was it was amazing. You can it's it's going to be based on you know your heart. What do you do? You want this? If you want it. We can get you on the right path. So you're going to have to walk those paths yourself, but but we kind of know the route to go down them. And we highly recommend uh, them to look into the camp. You know, when we get that released, it would be sometime in July, um, and we'll try to get we'll try to get it publicly available to where it's easy for people to find. So that's a good thing to end on. Uh, we will uh, try to let you know from this broadcast also, but stay. Stay involved and uh, watch for that cyber camp that that is coming out from Cookville High School. Uh, Scott, it's been great to see you again, and Nathan and John and and Landon. Congratulations on great work and um, on being international champions. Way to go, guys. Thanks. It's great to have you on the show.